Trumos, Perik Zayn, Mishnah Aleph. We start a new Perik now, the seventh Perik, and unlike the sixth Perik where we were talking about the consequences of eating Truma Bishogeg, inadvertent consumption of Truma, by one who's not permitted to eat it, here we talk about being consuming Truma Bemazed, intentionally eating Truma, um, and the consequences thereof. So really there are, there are three potential consequences. The first and most basic is that you... One who eats truma, who wasn't allowed to eat truma and did it on purpose, he's taken that which didn't belong to him. He's destroyed it. So just the same way if I break into your backyard and take your bottle of wine and pour it down the drain, so then you'll demand that I repay you for the cost of losing your wine. Um, if I take your bottle of truma wine and pour it down my throat, I'll have to repay you for the fact that I've taken your truma wine. So that's the most basic point here, that one who eats truma intentionally uh, has to make compensation to the one whom he damaged. But that, of course, is quite different than what we said in the previous parak, which we also had the issue of the what I called the conservation of truma in the world. They have to reconstitute truma and make new truma from hulin, and there's also an atonement process that is achieved by giving the chomesh. None of that applies over here. When it comes to eating truma b'mezid, so the Torah does not afford the sinner the opportunity of simple atonement by just repaying and giving an extra chomesh. That won't do. Um, he'll have to repay because he took which, what, that which wasn't his. But in terms of his atonement process, that's between him and Hashem. He'll have to do tshuva and, uh, and do what he can. He can't do more than that. Now, the second consequence is misa b'day shemaim, um, which is literally death at the hands of heaven. So that's premature death. And that applies as well. One who eats truma um, illegally will suffer those consequences, God forbid. Um, and in addition, there's the possibility of malchus, of lashes. So in general, when one violates a law from the Torah, prohibition from the Torah, like eating truma when you're not allowed to, uh, if one does it intentionally and he has edim and hasra, witnesses and uh, sufficient warning, that is say two kosher witnesses, put him on notice and say, if you eat that truma, you'll be suffering the consequences of lashes in this case, then if a person says, I don't care, and does it anyways, the Vezdin, the court, will be able to confirm that he understood the consequences of his actions because he was put on notice, he acknowledged them, and he did it anyways, and therefore he suffers the consequences, which in the case of eating truma as a non-Kohen is to get lashes. Now, that will apply if and only if there were Adam and Hasra, there are witnesses who gave him proper warning. If there were indeed witnesses who gave him proper warning and the court imposes lashes on him, so then the Bartonara says the halacha is like the Rambam, who poskins that when it comes to one act which incurs two potential penalties, one of financial compensation, like repaying back the truma that you ate, as well as um, corporal punishment, getting lashes, so then one just gets the lashes and does not end up repaying. So it's an either-or and the lashes get priority. That's the Raman Paskins, and let's assume that's the Halacha. So, our mission now picks up from that point, assuming that there were no sufficient um, witnesses or warning, and therefore we're not going to talk about lashes here. We're going to talk about the consequences of eating truma b'mezid without witnesses, which then will, of course, mean making regular financial restitution to the victim whom, from whom you stole the truma, or damaged it, or lost it, whatever it is, and this would be applicable across the board. It doesn't matter now if you'd have consumption in the conventional sense, as you recall from the sixth parak, to have 
tick the box of being ochel trumah b'shogig that requires the karen of a homage payment. It has to be eating in a way that's consumption as is normal as opposed to wasting or destroying. For example, if you anoint your skin with grape juice, you'll recall there was no karen of a homage payment because that's really destroying as opposed to eating the grape juice. Um, here it's not like that at all because um, it's just simply a point of you're damaging that which doesn't belong to you. So if you don't eat it, of course, you won't get um, the consequences of Misa Bidei Shemayim, um, but you would have the payment, the regular compensatory payments, like, as even if it weren't truma, as if you broke into someone's backyard and took their bottle of wine and poured it down the drain. So the Mishnah says inside, Ha'ochel truma mezid, if one eats truma intentionally, knowing he's not allowed to, but does it anyways, so then, assuming there are no witnesses, sufficient witnesses and sufficient warning, then Mishalim esa karen vein Mishalim esa chomish. He must pay back the principle that he cost the original owner, the Kohen who owned that truma, but um, he doesn't need to pay back any homage payment. In fact, he's not allowed to, and his homage payment wouldn't help him to get atonement. So he has to pay back what he took. And that repayment, since its basic nature is simply monetary, first of all, um, the payment is based on the value of the truma itself. So in other words, if you recall, we said that truma goes for a less price, a lower price in the marketplace than Hulan does, because Truma is less desirable, only Kohanim can eat it, they can only when they're a tahor, and it's it's susceptible to becoming um, invalidated as when it becomes tummy. So no one really would choose to have Truma over Hulin, therefore the prices are lower. So the repayment price um, is made based on the value of the Truma that was that was lost, whatever that might be. Um, more than that, uh, it's not made in foodstuffs necessarily, just made based on a return of value. Because unlike we had in the previous parak where you were eating at Bishogeg, we were going to have to pay back in chulin musukanim and regular tithe food, which then, um, when you give it to the Kohen, becomes truma middle rice all over again. So you reconstituted the truma that was lost in the universe. Here, no, no such thing. You basically have to pay back what you stole or damaged, and that's a simple financial obligation. So you'll basically cut the guy a check or give him cash. No need to pay in in uh, food stuff, chulin, whatever it is. And therefore, the mission says, Hatashlumen chulin. But you pay back, even if it would be food stuff, remains chulin. So if you're like bartering, you're giving him something in food and kind, it stays as chulin, it doesn't become truma. Imratza kohen limchol mochel. And if the kohen wants to forgive the financial debt that you owe him for damaging or stealing his stuff, he's allowed to do so. This is in contrast to the case we said in the previous parak, where one eats truma Shogig. In such a scenario, the kohen is not allowed to forego the repayment because the Torah mandates it. Um, Kind of again, like my my conservation of truma theory. You have to reconstitute truma in the world. Here, there's no such thing that you you've damaged the truma and you're not afforded the opportunity to reconstitute the truma. Um, it's just simply you owe the kohen for what you damaged and what you took. And that being the case, if he doesn't want to take your money, so just keep your money to yourself. You good for nothing thief. Um, he's totally at, at right to do so, and you owe him nothing after that, of course. And you still, either way, will have to deal with Hashem with uh, achieving atonement.